0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. They could break here, Chelsea. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard, it's 2-0. It's Chelsea's championship. And 50 years of waiting have come to an end.
1: Lampard. Comes out to Essien. (laughs)
0: Oh, my goodness. It, it's a counter-attack. It. Didier, didier Dropper. And now get in the middle. Strict it. Drogba goes. Stretch it. Stretch it. Mixed it on many of it. Chelsea 2 And Didier Drogba in the centre. McRae just came not the bad name. the has been to it. Strict it. Mara. How is possibly bleak as this. Drop! Mara. Never ended up in the corner and I have not had a coffee and watched. Hello. Welcome to another cheesy hour episode. I mean obviously this one. My name is Meads, Um and we've got Tips in here. How you doing, bro?
1: I'm good, bro. Back to back.
0: Yeah man, Yeah, no, we're starting the season off right, we're starting the season off right, um, but unfortunately the same can't really be said for Chelsea, I mean I'm being harsh, I'm being harsh, we've had a, a fantastic couple of days, you know, week even really, and I think the last time we spoke we were talking about Casado, we are talking about our midfield, we are talking about, you know, where we can kind of strengthen, and um, Chelsea went and did just that, and then some, you know what I mean, whilst blaming Liverpool in the process, Um but see, it doesn't come without drama because it is Chelsea Football Club. Um, but I guess we'll touch on that a little bit later on. Um, I guess I want to start with the negative and we can kind of end the, the pod on a bit more of a positive light. But um, Reese James has been ruled out for a couple of months with a hamstring injury. We don't know if it's the same hamstring injury that he had at the end of last season, but it seems like it's a recurring theme with Reese. What are your thoughts on the news?
1: Well, this is the main argument outside of his age for him not receiving the captain's armband. So now we're very glad that we have Marlo Gusto in the squad. And how do we feel about Pochettino? Essentially telling a little white lie. Oh, I took off Reese because he was tired.
0: Mm.
1: Well, if he said if the injury did happen in training like they're claiming, then fair yeah. enough. But yeah, so now you're looking yeah, at I Shilwell. think it was
0: an injury in training. I think it was an injury in training, to be fair. So I'm just like, ah, uh, let, me, let me just let me not get too frustrated. But yeah, it's, ben, it's, it's irritating still.
1: Yeah, and now we're looking at Ben Chilwell. You're that guy, you're the captain now. <laughs> You're the one to lead. No, I imagine I would expect him to lead by example, but really and truly, if it comes to players leading by example, I can't look much further than a Thiago Silva and at some stage an Enzo Fernandez. But just to go back to the root question, very dis- disappointing for Reese, and we hope it's a uh, speedy recovery, but we will have to get used to life about our captain for a, a little bit of time. Yeah,
0: it's a, it's a big shame. It's a big that's shame. Has been, I feel been like
1: confirmed like. that it's going to be a couple of months? It, or yeah,
0: it's been, it's been confirmed it's going to be a couple of months. Obviously, the club's not confirmed it yet, yeah, and obviously, Potch speaks tomorrow. So it's just irritating all round, man. It's irritating all round. And I feel like... I just... I don't know how to explain how i'm feeling but i think when i first caught wind that essentially he he wasn't going to do the surgery i just thought oh man you know that's the one thing because when when reese yeah when you don't get the surgery i think you're already on like dangerous territory and i think there's always a risk of reoccurrence but i just felt I hoped honestly that all the training that he did and that the extras that he did was gonna help, but it just seems like, yeah, it is so frustrating. It's super frustrating, and I feel I feel sorry for Reese because I know he he must be devastated that this has happened. To be honest, and it's just not ideal. It's far from ideal for him, far from ideal for the club. Um, and yeah, man, I just. Don't really know what to say, honestly. It's um, it's a frustrating one, but I think we're just gonna have to take it on the chin because, you know, there's not really much else we can do. Yeah, and um, Reese is a big boy. He, he made his decision, and I, I just hope now that you know, yeah, I hope now that he gets the surgery and hopefully puts all of this behind him because the stubbornness to, and resistance to not get the injury and I mean not get the surgery and Not be out for a long period of time. I'm just like, bro, come on, come on, man. You're killing us here. But like I said, he's made this decision. Hopefully, with this latest injury, injury, he um kind of yeah sees a bit of sense. Um, but yeah, man, we just have to see, we just have to we'll see with Reese, um, because it's a real big setback. But like you said, fortunately, we're not going to be leaning on. Aspida Queta this season we're going to be leaning on Malagusto, which is a fantastic signing. He did really really well in pre season, so I'm very happy that you know he's going to be given given an opportunity. Um, obviously, I'm not happy that Reese is injured, but also this is why you have a squad. This is why you have Malagusto come in. Um, so that business, that bit of business, is looking very very sensible. You know. Um, because I don't, really, I don't really think it impacts our game so substantially. I think from a leadership perspective, it kinda does, because Reese is a big leader. Um, and people do look for him, look to him for inspiration. Um, and you saw against Liverpool, he he was excellent. But Malagusta, I think he will fit in quite seamlessly. They have a similar game, quite dynamic as well. So, yeah, I I'm not too sad. I'm sad because it's Reese, but I'm not too sad. I'm not too hurt by it because. In Yesteryear, we'd be like devastated, and that, that's our season done. But now, you know, with Man Gusto um, and even um, um, De Sassi, we've still got him, we've got a cello he's got an, a hamstring injury as well, which he's going to be out for a month. So, again, these signings that many people complained about saying it's pointless, I so don't know if this makes sense. And oh, no, that, look, look what's happened. So, you know, it, it's just one of those things, I think, where. It, we're in a good space squad wise. Um and this is why you have a squad. Um and yeah, so it, it it it's it's not all doom and gloom. Frustrating of course, but it's not all doom and gloom. But it's an interesting point what you said about the captaincy though. Um, because rightfully availability is really important and um yeah, I think Reese's career to date has been one filled with absences. Um so how are you feeling now after one game, you know, him being appointed as captain? Has that changed well, your your feeling towards it?
1: No. When you consider it's the same injury that pretty much ruled him out of the World Cup and the reason why he didn't have that surgery was essentially – Uh, a last-ditch effort to be fit for the World Cup. You just have to be like, okay, it is what it is. He'll learn from it. And hopefully this is the last major setback for the foreseeable. And we've got the strength and depth to cover and we've got the quality in depth. So like you said, we're not looking at Equator. But for me, it doesn't really move the needle in regards to my position on Rhys James's standing as captain at the moment.
0: Yeah, I hear, um, I hear you. I I feel the same, to be honest. It is, um, it's Rhys James at the end of the day. I think he was always going to be captain. Um, we should also recognise that. Ultimately, the current situation, he didn't get the surgery initially, so he delayed it. This is always going to happen, in my opinion, because he didn't get the surgery. So, like you said, hopefully he learns from this. Hopefully the club kind of not enforces it, but just says, look, bro, <laughs> it's time to get the surgery wasting everyone's time because you're just gonna delay the inevitable. So we just have to see. I'm comfortable. I'm I'm very, very comfortable, obviously, with Malovisto. So I'm 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 fine. I'm fine. I'm I'm not as stressed as I would normally be if we had say Quetta or nobody, you know, out here. Um but cool. I guess can talk about other big news that's happened today. Michael Alise, Jesus Christ, um, that's my guy. You know, that's one of, one of my ballers. Um, but did a U turn, did a U turn on us, and on a in a in a week where we've been blaming everyone to dust. We've yeah, we took a, a slight L, I guess, on this one. Um, how did you feel about it, um, Timson? Because I didn't actually really get your view on Alise um, in terms of just us apparently triggering his release calls and agreeing personal terms. But how was how your thoughts on, firstly, us doing the deal initially, um, and then the an eventual crumble of it?
1: <laughs> All right, cool. I remember only recently, because I listened to this interview, I'm going to go off on a bit of a tangent before I make my point. Michael Owen talking about He was very happy at Liverpool at the time and then Real Madrid came in for him and he just said, yeah, you can't say no to Real Madrid. And this is similar to how I felt about the Elise bid. So I was very content with the potential for Noni to kind of make the right wing his own to grow and develop. And then you hear... is coming in, you're not going to say no because you have Noni Maduweke. You're not going to say no to a quality player for that price as well. So I got on board with it in the sense that you can't say no to a player like that. Now, he wasn't necessarily a player that beforehand I was super desperate for. I did uh, like the look of him when he was at Reading prior to the Crystal Palace move but it was one that came out of the blue and I kind of just rolled with it. So for him to reject us and I'm hearing reports of Crystal Palace had a potential sell on clause with the 35 million release clause. They were also planning on filing evidence. They had evidence about alleged tapping up when honestly, I think tapping up in itself is, um, Outdated. Who's gonna bid? Let's assume there's no release clause. Who's gonna Who's gonna go through several rounds? Could you imagine if we had um, several rounds of bidding, like we did with Kaiseido and then the player, then the club gives us permission to negotiate with that player, and the player goes, "No, I'm not. I'm not taking my kids out of school, or I'm not moving out the area." Then you've just wasted mm. all your time having three, four bids. So just reaching out to the player's camp. Initially, just to sound out initial interest makes a lot of sense. But obviously, that's what's referred to as tapping up. So tapping up in general, I'm just kind of like, "Mm, I think it should be outdated anyway. But if that was leverage that um, caused Chelsea to somewhat pull out and obviously Elise to fully commit with now what you'd imagine to be a high end release clause, you just have to say charge it to the game. Influencers from other clubs were talking, we're talking Chelsea. This is great for football. Someone's finally turned down Chelsea. Well, mm. someone, someone won't. Someone won't. Yeah. Someone,
0: someone won't. It's a minor. I feel like the way I look at it and the way I assessed it, and um, obviously just hearing a few bits and bobs um, from people close to the deal and, and Chelsea, um, essentially, Palace had every right to look at reporting us to the tribunal um, taking us to the tribunal simply because Chelsea caught wind and not even just Chelsea but Man City as well caught wind of the release clause and a clause in fact that um, City, um, not even City Palace were denying for months on months on months saying that that clause did not exist that clause did not exist, it is not true, it is not true Um, And Palace do do this. They did this with Zaha. I think Zaha was um, supposed... I think Tottenham came in with a bid for Zaha. Um, United came in with a bid for Zaha at some point as well. Um, And they weren't allowing it. Simply because um, they didn't feel like the money was sufficient enough. And obviously with Zaha and his level of importance at the time to the club, um, I could understand it. You know what I mean? I, I definitely can understand it. Um, the only issue that I have is that it isn't Chelsea, whilst they were complicit, it wasn't entirely Chelsea's fault. It was information that was you know, given to them, and then they tried to exploit it. Naturally, when you're going to look at a talent of that level, getting him for £35 million, pounds, it was a, an absolute steal in this market. Um, Michael Lise used to play for Chelsea, was in the academy until he was 14 years, age, years, of, years of age, so there was a natural connection, a natural desire from his side as well as our side to kind of bring him back home. Um, so it all kind of made sense, you know what I mean? And that Alise would have been part of the squad, not a guaranteed starter, but I think he'd start a sufficient amount of games, most definitely, because I don't think that right-hand side is nailed down by anyone, perfect to be perfectly honest. Um, same way he, you know, incongrues out until the new year. So there's a good case that Alise could be in the number 10, slot seamlessly, and, um, you know, make a case for him to be starting ahead of anyone, and then, and Kunku could come in, battle it out on left hand side with um, Maduke, uh, not Maduke, i mean um Modric, you know what i mean, so yeah the, the, I don't think his the plan to have him wasn't a nonsensical one if that makes any sense, um but again, like you said, charges to the game um. At the end of the day, he got a new contract. I mean, it was only an additional year on his new contract. So he hasn't extended for any longer than his previous contract. It was just one year add-on. And yeah, Crystal Palace have given him more money, which he rightfully deserved. And there's um, an increased release clause. Again, similarly to his previous one, we don't know what it is. We don't know the exact amount, but a release clause is in there. Um, And for me, I think that's a minimum release. So basically... That's like, I think where the clause this time was a set fee of £35 million, this is a minimum release clause to then activate. So a certain amount needs to be hit in order to activate it. Um, But it can go higher, essentially. So, yeah, this gives Palace at least um, a a guaranteed level of, not profitability, but income from the sale that is going to be in line with market. So they've done this from a commercial and business standpoint to protect themselves from loss, basically, because his real value is so far substantial, far more substantial than the £35 million that was in his previous release clause. But you know what I mean? Football's moved on a bit from when that first came into play, even though it's only a couple of years ago, which is mad. Um, but yeah, so we're going to have to chalk up to the game. I take it, L, As you know from me anyway, he was my third choice. In the list of um, right-hand side players that we're linked with, we're obviously linked with Kudus and um, Shirky. Elise was my um, third choice simply because of his lack of intensity, um, but no one's denying his quality. So I would have loved him to be back. I've been championing the club to buy him for ages, to bring him back for ages, but I have to just hold that L, man. You know what I mean? We, we, we've been blamming up the market for the last week. Um, and I guess that's a nice segue into what we've been doing <laughs> this week, because Casado is confirmed, number 25, taking the legendary Zola shirt. Bro, the relief. Let's talk about the relief, because, boy, since the last time we spoke and since the last time the pod happened, broski, I mean, ah, the amount of emotions, crazy, 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 crazy. Um. Yeah, I know we could talk about the Liverpool game, but God, let's talk about Kaiseido. Um, first of all, where was your head at? Because I know you were seething, bro. But I want to hear it from your first-hand experience when you saw that Liverpool agreed on the 111 million pound <laughs> offer for Kaiseido or Brian. Where was your head at? <laughs>
1: My head was well on its way to Mars, but got lost somewhere along the line, along the way to Narnia. I was just, what is going on here? We've been dilly dallying for months, three months to be exact. We've agreed personal terms since May. And when you hear, okay, a powerhouse club has come in and they've bid and it's been accepted, I'm, instantly having flashbacks to Romelu Lukaku going to United and the hashtag Red Rom. I'm thinking, mm. no way. I'm already, I'm already imagining reading the inside scoop on Liverpool signing of Kaiseido and how Chelsea drift, fumbled the bag. Mm. I'm just I, glad it showed a level of loyalty that really shouldn't exist in football anymore.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. It's mad because obviously after after um, I think it was the day. So that day it happened at night. It happened, and they were basically the news was like, "Oh yeah, Liverpool are trying to hurry it along because they're they're fearful that Chelsea might get back involved." And I'm just like, so when that news dropped to me, I was rattled because I'm thinking, "Hold on, like first things first, I said, "Look, Chelsea." My biggest gripe was, look, even if we don't get him, I'm comfortable going into the season with Santos and Enzo, yeah? I'm comfortable, right? And I still would have been. But the frustration lies here. If he's the guy, if is the guy, yeah, you believe he's the guy, you believe all other alternatives don't offer you the same amount of quality, um, assurance, and um, risk attached, and you're like, you know what? Caicedo's the guy. I believe he's the one, right? So if you believe that, then surely you you just pay the money. You know, Brighton have said 100 million pounds. Cool. You give them 100 million pounds. You agree terms on, that, you know, when that money is going to come to them, whatever. Boom. You keep it pushing. Caicedo comes in during preseason, gets familiar with his teammates. Yeah. And then you could, like, you know, move on. But no, Chelsea. Did the whole thing like, okay, he's the guy, but we're gonna like drag it along. We'll do offers of like mad increments and then it's just a mess, complete mess. So when Liverpool came in, I'm just like, Well, this is what you deserve. This is what you deserve because it's a complete and utter failure. How are you how are you negotiating like this? Like how? It's so bad. It's so poor. Um It's like then, obviously also- but yeah, Sorry,
1: just the hesitation of it. You've overpaid massively now, but you just look at it back, and you can look back. Maybe if they had the model that they have now, they get Caicedo before he becomes Caicedo for four and a half million. You can say the same thing with Enzo, but now they're Premier League established, and you've paid the money that you've got to pay. But asking price is a hundred mil, but who knows how what the final deal ends up with if a Real Madrid or some mm. or PSG come in for him in three or four years time when he's mm. if he manages to hit the levels of say <clears throat> an Angolo Kante, how much more yeah. are Brighton fleecing us for
0: after exactly. I mean, the
1: sell-on clause?
0: Exactly. And I feel like I don't know if there's a sell on clause for though. I yes. assume it would be.
1: Confirmed. I'd be confirmed. assuming
0: it would be. Yeah, so again, so again, so they're gonna eat, right? Um, I hope that we don't have to sell Caicedo at any point, <laughs> at any point, but um, yeah, I think if he hits the levels and then one of the big hitters like Real Madrid come in for him, then you know, he might actually say, you know what, yeah, I, I might need a new challenge. Cool. Um, ultimately, I won't care too much if he does the thing at Chelsea. If he's successful at Chelsea, I wouldn't really mind. You know what I mean? As long as he's bringing us glory and joy, I'm comfortable. Um, but, yeah, the Liverpool thing was, it rattled me. But I also knew that Bowley wouldn't like the optics. You know what I mean? The optics of Liverpool stealing a march on him, I think he wouldn't like that. So I knew that he wasn't going to let it lie down, especially Igbali. Igbali, there was no way they were going to let it lay lay down and just rest and let it, you know, let them get walked all over, especially when they've been criticised so much, you know, for not knowing what they're doing, you know. So they weren't going to have that. And if Barley flew in and said, you know what, nah, we're patterning. He called up Caicedo um, and said, don't worry, we're going to sort things out. Boom. K- Kaiseido, being loyal and, you know, I think the ties and the desire to want to play for us and being a fan of Chelsea, being a fan of N'Golo Kante, I think that kind of pull, as well as all of the work that we did prior, you know, agreeing personal terms from May, like you said, um, there was almost like a feeling between the club and Casillas' um, like camp that we're going to get the job done, get the deal done. I think he felt that we were further along, so he needed less convincing rather than Liverpool, where they had to really start all over again. Well, not even start all over again, start from the beginning um, and try and build a relationship and rapport with the player, but it weren't really there. So him turning them down, I don't think it was that difficult, really, um, because we already did the groundwork in laying down the relationship. Um, Yeah, so I knew there was a chance. And what I heard, I caught wind of it in the morning, really, um, early morning around 8 8 a.m., that he's going to reject, he's going to reject. And I put it in the group. I was like, hey, listen, I'm catching wind. Like, he's going to reject, you know. And then it came out, and I just – it was just euphoria – and the whole bag of laughter, um, because all my Liverpool friends were calling me, and I'm like, "Don't worry, we have got something hot for you. Just, just chill. Just wait. Just wait." And the blaming that they got was disgusting. They first came out, Casados rejected them. Then there was news that they're not going to walk away from the deal. Like that, they're, like you know, those hungry guys at the end of the club. They've been re- rejected. The girls are outside, and you're. It's the end of the night, and you're trying to move to a babe and. That they're not taking no for an answer. Like, why are you lurking, bro? Chill. Like, don't want you. You know what I mean? Like, that's what was happening. Like, they don't want Liverpool. Trying the to leave with learning. time. Like, trying, trying to leave with time. Nasty. N- trying to leave with something basically. Nasty, like. You know what I mean? Like, trying to leave with bottom of the barrel, base. Like, Anyway, I was like, nah. So I knew it was going to get rejected. Um, yeah, Their approach was going to get rejected by him. Fortunately, that's what happened. Um... And then, yeah, Chelsea agreed the deal eventually. 115 million pounds, four million more than Liverpool would have paid, which I'd, I'd take that effort, man. I'd take that. You know, Brian took us to the cleaners. To the cleaners. They made literally 111 million pounds in 18 months. What? No, you know, about two years. That is correct. What a flip. What a capital gain. they that's insane off a football player. Um, but at the end of the day, like I said, I don't really care. As long as my man does the business, I don't care. We're talking about British record, we're talking about transfer fees and how in- crazy they are. But my whole logic and thought about these these transfer fees and players is there's a lot of money in football. And, yeah, there's a lot of money in football. So there's going to be inflated prices, you know, and quality are going to eventually you're going to get stung by it. So you're going to have the deals where you buy quality like Santos for for cheap, uh, for £20 million, but then you're also going to have instances where you're going to have to pay the big bucks you know, for Casado and Enzo. Um, but ultimately, that's not something you're going to look to do consistently throughout your tenure. Um, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think we've got a good scouting department. Um, I think we've done some shrewd buys too. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, all in all, I'm quite happy, to be honest. And then the other blam is Liverpool. Obviously, they were having talks, had an agreement um, in terms of personal terms of Romeo Lavia. And, bruh, <laughs> as a byproduct of trying to bid and sell a march on Caicedo, what they've gone and done is destroyed the relationship with um, Romeo Lavia. And now Lavia's like, you know what, ban you, I'm going to Chelsea. We were interested in Lavia the moment he signed for Southampton. We're like, all right, we'll try and take him off you. Like the same, that same window. And Southampton rebuffed us. And um, yeah, because the guy's a super talent. Super, super talented player. That's a real six as well. Like he's a real DM, DM. I think Kaysedo more of a, a defensive eight um, who can play six very, very well. Um, super um, player. But I think. Romeo Lavia's base four is DM, protect, you know what I mean? So, Lavia, the Lavia thing is crazy. So, yeah, that's another punch in the nose to Liverpool, which I love. I oh, can't stand him. It's another punch. So, talk to me about Lavia. I know, Timson, you're very big on him as a player. Um, And it's crazy because, again, we talked about this like a couple of weeks ago about what we're going to do about our midfield. And over the space of a week, it's been transformed into something that is insane it's actually insane our midfield is crazy
1: yeah I have to just practice gratitude and to practice gratitude you have to kind of look how look at how far you've come the midfield was the biggest problem area and the biggest concern coming into the season and now well not even to Towards the end of last season, it was the biggest area of concern because you said, he's going to leave, he's going to leave. Oh, Kovacic is leaving as well. And now it is scary, the midfield potential that we have now in regards to the now and the long-term future of the club. And the fact that the players that we've got in for reasonable fees outside of the double pivot of Enzo and Caicedo, it's... It's really positive. Now, Lavia himself, if you're in the position of Lavia, on paper, it makes a lot of sense to lean towards Liverpool in the sense that they clearly have a number six. Klopp clearly likes you. You're going to walk straight into that 11. Chelsea are clearly chasing Caicedo. But then you also have to have a level of ego and pride as a footballer and they're haggling. Okay. We'll give you 37 million. Okay. We'll give you 42 million. Nope. The asking price stays at 50 and you're thinking, okay, we're slowly getting there. Meanwhile, they've got money. They're haggling to try and save five and five, two and 5 million, but they've got 110 million to slap down for Moises Caicedo. They slapped that down on Brighton. It's insane. They that, it's
0: so embarrassing. They
1: slapped it down on Brighton's table, and they slapped that down on his face. Because what is he? What is he? Garlic bread? Is he a side piece? No. Bro,
0: they, they, they messed up bad. They messed up bad. That, that looks like I don't think anyone in their right mind would ever want to feel like their second best. Like, let's let's again, let's go back to the 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 gal, the analogy. Yeah, so cool. It's a girl you're interested in. You know, you're you're, you're like, okay, yeah, she she's nice. She has got good potential. Let me let me let me chat to her for a little bit. Cool. So you you talk to her, you, you get on. You know what I mean? You get on, but you kind of got your not your eye on the other other bears, But you know, you're, you're at this point, you're not you're not taken together. You're, you're not you're not taken yet. So cool. You're like, you know what? She's interested. So I, I could kind of play the field a little bit. She's gonna be here. She's cool. She she she's committed to the course. She sees I'm that guy. But oh, Liverpool <laughs> Liverpool thought they were that guy. Because they thought, you know what? Let's let's talk to Caicedo. Let's see what he's saying. Let let's bring out the let's bring out the Rolls Royce. Let's take a rent Let's bring out the Rolls Royce. Let's get let's impress this guy. Let's see. Cause he's a top, he's a top one. He's a top, he's a top drawer. So I'm gonna try and do everything to get him, you know? And then it doesn't happen. Kaise and not I'm impress with the Rolls Royce. He's seen plenty of Rolls Royces. In fact, he's gonna be gifted a Rolls Royce. So then all you've done, you've taken out your rental for nothing, and then you try and go back to Shorty and then she's thinking wait what i'm second best that's romeo Lavia. that's the analogy romeo Lavia's thinking wait i'm i'm seconds now you think you could try woo me then you go somewhere else go talk to someone else and then come back you think i'm gonna accept that mad people human beings we have pride right so we're not gonna especially a professional footballer that is of an elite talent you know he's been like tout it to be one of Belgium's brightest ever talents, right? Uh, that's a country that's come with Eden Hazard, Kevin De Bruyne, Thibaut Courtois. That's a country that's came with real top players, right? Cool. There's no way in hell. And Belgium, people from Belgium are very, very proud. Very proud. You know, from a very young age, they are very, very proud. So there was no way. And I knew, the moment they did that, there was no way Labio was going to Liverpool. There was no way. He refused. And, um, you know, he, he got, he's got got that. Get back. I'm going to Chelsea. I'm going to your Ops. I'm going to have to hold that. And I think, like you said, I agree. Him going to Liverpool would have made far more sense in terms of playing time and game time for him. Yeah? However, there's also an argument that, is that necessarily a good thing? An 18, 19-year-old kid playing week in, week out, Everything that he does is scrutinized. Everything that he does, it it is he's super depended on it. as a nineteen year old. That's difficult. That's not easy. And um, whilst you could be confident in your ability, are you also potentially setting yourself up to be overly scrutinized for no reason? I think maybe. I think Lavia coming into a situation where he's in a competitive midfield relatively. But you back your talent, you know what you can do, and you know that you've been a fan. Like the club's been chasing you for nearly 18 months now. So they're a fan of you and want you. Um, And I think the best thing that we did was always be in dialogue with Calabria's team and make him know that we're actually interested and we actually want you as a player. You know, we're not just, we want you and Caicedo. We're not trying to replace either of you, we want you both. Um, And I think Lavia, for me, can play in the midfield with Caicedo, with Enzo, and um, um, yeah, Caicedo, Enzo. I think they could all play together. I think Chelsea could play a 4-2-3-1 together with them three together. I think they could play 4-3 with them together. So I don't think Lavia's um, role in the team is necessarily impacted massively, especially with the injury to Nkunku, because Lavia play at the base. Um Kaysera will play at the base. Then you've also got Enzo who likes to get forward. He could play in the 10, you know, or play in the offensive eight. So I think the possibilities are endless with that midfield option, those midfield options. Obviously we had Engo Kante we had um Kovacic, we had Jorginho, those are midfield three we played 4 3 one we played 3-5-2, we played 3 4 So again, we only had a double pivot, so it was only one of those two. And I think we were able to utilise it well. So yeah, man, I think I think we're in a very good place. In our midfield, I think we're in a very, very good place. That's not even adding Ugo Chuku, that's not even adding um, Carney or Conor Gallagher. You know what I mean? I think we're very, very strong there. Um, I do think though we're going to have to probably get rid of one of them, whether it's on loan or sale. Um, and there's obviously rumours that Conor Gallagher is going to be moved on, but remains to be seen. Poch loves the guy; Poch loves him, so it's interesting, man. It is definitely interesting. But boy, that is on their head tops. Ah, oh, God, there's it couldn't happen to a, a better club. I can't stand Liverpool. I can't stand Liverpool. But from the good, unfortunately, from the euphoria of getting Lavia and getting Caicedo, we have to talk about the. Can we just
1: con- congratulate Liverpool on the signing of Endo, uh,
0: Wataru Endo from Stuttgart? Yeah, I mean, he looks he's like clearly, a man, he's clearly the man they wanted. He's clearly He's clearly, he's the, man clearly they the one that they, they, they desperately wanted. But um, yeah, I mean, look, as a player, he looks okay. You know, I think for now Liverpool just need a a, a decent and solid enough base. So <laughs> good luck to them anyway for the season. But they they had they got their they got their slaps multiple times this week. So they're gonna have to hold that. Um, but yeah, like I said, I wanna. I guess we're gonna have to move on to the unfortunate parts of this week um, of this news this morning that Lewis Hall um, is potentially going to Newcastle Football Club now. Newcastle United are uh, a big team in the waiting, really. Um, they're definitely a top four rival. They hit the top four last season. They're a very good team. They bought incredibly this season as well. Giving them Lewis Hall for 28 to 35 million pounds, to me, feels like we're doing bad, bad business. Um, now, don't get it twisted. I understand his desire to move. I'm not a big fan of keeping players that don't want to be here. Um, I do think the conditions as to why he wants to leave is a byproduct a of Elise, as well as the players that are ahead of him too. As well as that, he's a Newcastle fan, family Newcastle fan, so there's always a pull. Um, but I think Chelsea probably could have done a lot better um, in terms of creating a pathway for him, where he feels like, you know what, if I stick around, there's going to be a use for me. Um, Because at 18 years old, I don't think he's demanding to play every week, but I think he is hoping um, that there's going to be a use for him. But I think there's one thing hoping versus um, expecting. So him being bought for £35 million from Newcastle, there's going to be an expectation on him and the club for him to start and play. Um, So I get it from his perspective, unfortunately. Um, but what are your thoughts on the whole saga? Because I think Chelsea fans did get quite, I think not dramatic, but I think there was a, a big reaction, shall I say, um, from a number of our, our fans. With
1: Lewis, <clears throat> I thought it was kind of settled when the Palace loan start, had kind of concrete footing in regards to coming to fruition. I said, okay, he signed a new who he, he signed a new deal there was an opportunity for him to potentially play in his favored position or his ideal position of midfield because they have Tyreek Mitchell at Palace so when talks came in when the when the Newcastle links came in i was taken aback but then my understanding at this point is that he's a Newcastle fan and maybe he's kind of looked at Ainsley Maitland-Niles and, and how his career has gone, and that combined with the opportunity to play for your boyhood club in any capacity has kind of strengthened his resolve and said, Do "You know what? Okay, left back it is. I'm going to go to my boyhood club and play,
0: exactly.
1: um, play, play for Newcastle." Now the, the fee, the fee is. Yeah, the fee. The fee, considering he we'd signed, we tied him down to a new deal, was if we can say plus Adams thirty five million, then we get a percentage of um, any sell on. Even though I think, unless he becomes a proper world beater, I hard, I, it's hard for me to imagine how much his transfer fee, transfer value is going to go up. But all in all, I said, look, the guy is in left-back conversations when he doesn't want to be in left-back conversations at Chelsea. Looking at him purely as an academy talent, it's a shame. But when you look at it, it's his boyhood club and he's being courted by a Premier League team with Champions League football now. It's hard to say no. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I
0: think it's difficult to really complain and be upset about the circumstances revolving his departure or potential departure. I think where you celebrate Caicedo, you know, doing everything to come to Chelsea, because he's a Chelsea fan, you have to respect the fact that Lewis is a Newcastle fan, and if he wants to leave, then you have to kind of respect that. I think the club ultimately, like I said, could have created a better pathway, but even if that pathway was there, he may have still wanted to leave. Um, But you, you never really know ultimately, I think he's um, a really good player. Um, but like you said, does he want to be a left back? I'm not entirely sure. I think at Newcastle, he might, you know, just accept, you know what? Yeah, I'm a left back. At Chelsea, he probably might have done too. But again, I think there has to be a real pathway and a buy-in. Um, so I think we'll have, to, we'll have to see, man. I think bah, that one, that one we're just going to have to see. It's gonna be difficult, um, yeah, really, really difficult. But I, I, I think it's gonna be best to let him go. Um, I don't want him to leave. I, I don't. I, yeah, I really don't want him to leave. I think he's a very, very good player. But ultimately, Poch has talked about the squad bloat, and he's still trying to trim it down. He wants to get to twenty-three. So. You know, there's going to be victims. There's going to be some um, some casualties as a result of that. Um, I personally would have got rid of Cucurea, Um, And that still might happen, in fact, because Newcastle are looking at Cucarea if the whole situation doesn't materialise. Um, but, yeah, we just have to wait and see, man. We're going to have to wait and see. That one's a, an interesting one, to say the least. An interesting one, to say the least. But... Um, if he does leave, he leaves with my blessing, man. He leaves with oh all my good good faith. because um, I, I want him to do well. I think Tino Tino Livamento being there as well is amazing. So Tino and Lewis were all playing together in the Champions League. For me, coming from the Academy is a is a win for the Academy, really and truthfully. Now, are they good enough to play for Chelsea? Absolutely. Um, but still. The Academy isn't just about them playing for Chelsea, it's about them having a successful top flight career. And I think the Academy really does their do their job in that regard. So yeah, man. It'd be a, a shame, but I'd also be really, really happy for both of them. Um so yeah, them leaving Chelsea don't stop me being fans of them, essentially. But I guess moving on, um with the Elise deal falling off, um I to we'll be in link with Brennan Johnson, who's not a terrible player by any means. Um, but I don't think he really has the materials and the, the qualities to to play for us. But could you then argue that you spent 20 million on Angelo or however much it was, 20 million euros? Could you then argue that maybe loaning him was a bad idea? What are your thoughts, Tipson? Cool. Let me quickly
1: speak on Brennan quickly. With Brennan... I actually got a heads up about the Brennan situation by a trusted source. And the understanding that I got was they really liked his development at the back end of last season. Now, make what you will of that. I don't really have a strong enough opinion on Brennan at this point in time. If it becomes more concrete, maybe I'll I'll form one but for now it is what it is with the Brennan interest. Now with Angelo, yeah, I think it's you can definitely make a case for him, but also if the goal was to ensure um, a development plan, ensuring he was all as close to being confirmed as a regular starter in a top five league side, for the sake of his development. And if at this stage the most crucial thing for his development would be minutes, prioritising as close to a guarantee of minutes as possible um, for his long term for the long term makes a lot of sense as well, especially since maybe. We've not got Alise, the Leon player that we're linked to now would probably look to operate predominantly on the left-hand side, which then fuels my rumor that I think once we shift some academy talent in, potentially Shalabar um Gallagher, I think next on the chopping block is Sterling because he's got the he's one of the last players on big guaranteed money, but yeah, with Angela, I definitely think you can make a case for him staying. But I'm not too upset. He's not going to be in a situation where he's not guaranteed. There's there's potential for him to not be guaranteed minutes because who knows? Noni could come back from his niggles and absolutely pop off um, in the Premier League, or Sterling can find his old City form as a right as a right winger. So I think we did the... Yeah, the I think I think Chelsea did well by safeguarding his development and, and making sure he went... They, they they went with the safest bet.
0: Yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. I feel like I understand it. Um, obviously, whilst Strasbourg, being, they're the ones that scouted Angelo. So obviously they kind of had first dibs on him. Um, but Chelsea are the ones that paid the money. Um, so he's a Chelsea player, ultimately. And I feel like... First things first, Chelsea should always protect their interests first. Um, now, where you don't have guarantees in certain areas um, and, you know, you think there's, there's a need for strengthening, I think Potcher's perspective is more like he needs experience in certain areas and Angelo is still very, very young and doesn't have Premier League experience. They don't have to be 20, 25, 30, but they need to have game experience in the league. Um, so you know he's still kind of view Angelo somewhat young Um, but my issue is because he's our player that loan to Strasbourg didn't need to be pushed along so quickly I think you need to kind of situate your squad if he's always going to go there always has the capacity to go there because he's part of Blue Group um, then you don't need to rush it really you should really see where your current playing staff is at Chelsea, and then make the decisions as and when necessary. Um, so it's not necessarily the loan is a bad loan, because I think it's a good loan for him. <clears throat> but I think maybe that decision didn't need to be made then. Because what you do and what the issue is, if you buy another winger now, for example, even this applies with Eliseo, for example, you have that other winger as well as Angelo. So what happens to Angelo in a season or two seasons? What happens? You know, you've got another body here, but then you also got Angela. Now, that's also to say that there's not going to be some departures, because I agree, I do think that Sterling is potentially on the chopping block, like you said. He's on big, 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 big wages. So I think there's capacity for him to be moved on. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I think it is a bit messy, um, but ultimately, oh. it is what it is. Want to get on with Kukurea? I guess that kind of leads with Kukurea and Chilwell. Um. Obviously, I know your position on Kukurea, so I'm not going to ask. Um, but with Lewis Hall leaving, and Ian Matson, I know again, I do want to talk on Matson because I know you're a big fan. Um, Kukurea could potentially be leaving um, if we don't really agree a deal with um, Newcastle or Hall, but. Uh, it's again a little bit of a mess. We've got four left backs now. Um, Ian Matson, you know, is playing as a as a midfielder. Um, Chilwell has had his injury issues in the past, and he's vice captain. Um, gonna be captain against West Ham. But um, how are you gonna play it? I know you want to get rid of Kukurea, so I won't ask you. So it would be Chilwell and Matson for you. I'm guessing.
1: In, a, yeah, in an ideal situation, we have negotiations fall through with Lewis Hall by divine intervention, fate, change of heart, whatever. Negotiations with Newcastle fall through with, regarding Lewis Hall. Situation changes. They say, how about Mark? Mark says, Champions League football, I will take that, put myself in the shop window at the European level, ahead of the European Championships for Spain. Lewis Hall, how about the loan to Crystal Palace? Yeah, I'll take that and we'll part this conversation down the road for a year. And then you have my ideal scenario of Ian Markson having a fair opportunity to compete with Ben Chilwell at left back. And I'm not going to say he's going to get Marlo Gusto Injury boosted opportunities, but given Chilwell's track record, I feel like there'd be an opportunity for a fair no- a decent number of minutes, even yeah. without European really football.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely hear you. I think the Matson one's very interesting because at, at present he's only been playing as a, a forward and a winger. So I do want to see him get an opportunity at left back. And I kind of want... I don't want injuries to happen, but I'd like for circumstances to play a part in him getting the opportunity. So, yeah, man, we're going to have to play it by ear because, yeah, the Kukure situation is still a bit up in the air. So is the Lewis Hall situation when they kind of are one in the same and they're kind of inter- intertwined. So we're just going to have to see. Um, but with the falling through of Michael Elise, it's had like a knock-on effect. So... The Michael Alise deal going through has impacted Chelsea's decision to loan him to Crystal Palace, to loan Lewis Hall to Crystal Palace. And then, you know, that's just holding up everything. And then there's the Newcastle links and Hall's in like, OK, well, I don't want to go Palace now anyway. So it's just yeah, a, whole, a whole kerfuffle. But with the Elise deal falling through, Chelsea been linked with Barcola. Obviously, they've been linked with Kudis in the past and Shirky. Barcola, what do you know of him? I'll talk about him in a a little bit. What do you know about him? How are you feeling about those links? Are you a little bit more comfortable with him than Brennan Johnson?
1: Honestly, I know a bit more about Brennan Johnson. I'll say Bacola's um, a complete unknown to me. All I know is he operates on the left wing. And I thought we had that sort of earmarked for Madrid should he eventually hit the levels that we hope of him. So for me, I felt like there was more. It made it made more sense for a left-footed winger. It necessarily the club didn't come out and say we're looking for a right winger specifically. That could be long-term mm-hmm. squad planning for Angelo's return,
0: but who yeah, knows know. at this point in time. So I'm I mean, just... what, I w- what I would say though is Barcola isn't. He he can play off either wing. Um, I think he's he's a bit more devastating. I think on a right wing because I think he's a, a little more a little bit more assist heavy on the right hand side. Um, but I, I like the links. I like the links. I mean, I, I'm, he wouldn't have been my primary choice. Obviously, my primary choice is Kudos. But boy, he's a good player. Very very quick. Um, he loves a cross. He loves a cutback, um, and I think I just I think he I think he'd be a good addition. Um, I don't think it's necessary that he. Well, I don't think it's necessarily that it's just going to be a primarily a left wing option because I, I, he plays right wing for Leon as well. So it's, it's a fee beside it doesn't matter too much. Um, I like the links. I do like the links. Um, obviously, Kudus looks like it is advancing quite well with West Ham, and I would love nothing more to blam another Premier League side for a sign-in. So I, I'm watching that one very, very carefully. Shirky links have seemed to have faded away a little bit considering that, you know, that they're, they're saying that he's a little bit indisciplined. And But I'm just like, when you've got that level of genius, you take it all day, you know what I mean? Especially when there's an injury to Nkunku. In you take that level of genius all day, every day, man. So, yeah, like you said, Madiweke coming back from injury could set the league alight. I mean, he's definitely got that like, potential, but I think he's still quite raw too. So it can go either way really with him, but I'm open to seeing how it pans out. It's not all doom and gloom, Chelsea fans, I want to just say. It's not all doom and gloom. I know that the end of this week hasn't um, been what you'd like. I know you wanted to see Elise in a Chelsea shirt and I know you didn't want to see Reese James injured, but certainly, but I think there's a lot to look at. Obviously, I don't know, you didn't want to see Lewis Hall leave, but I know there's a lot to be positive about Honestly, I think Chelsea are in a very good way. We're in a very good shape. And I think we need to really take the rough of this move because nothing's ever perfect in life. Uh, We need to understand that certain things happen. Transfers are way up and down. Um, But, yeah, man, I think Chelsea are doing a good job. Um, Not perfect, but nothing ever is. And um, I guess we could just leave it there, man. I think we've got a big game against West Ham at the weekend. I'm expecting... uh, I'm expecting a win. I'm expecting a a, a, a good win as well. Um, Timson, what what are your thoughts and predictions for the for the game?
1: Um, just before I get to that, I just want to talk about the one thing that's made me happiest about Chelsea, this kind of last since the last pod. After the game, oh. my favorite thing about Chelsea um, performance aside is the reaction to Enzo Fernandez from opposite mm. fans. You look at um, the club influences from opposite fans and all they can say is hats off. I was listening to um, Troops and he was saying, I have to call a spade a spade. And he was absolutely excellent. He ran the whole show. And then I was just seeing links about praise for Enzo. Jamie Carragher was waxing lyrical about Enzo. And then other rival fans and influencers were talking about how scary Chelsea's Chelsea's midfield is gonna be now that they've secured Caicedo. Mm. It's nice to be scared, it's nice to be feared. It's so yeah, nice to be, feared. yeah. So that was my yeah. favorite. No, I
0: agree. I agree. I think it's um it's good to get acknowledgement that we've got something good. You know what I mean? He's a player that you can't really deny in terms of his qualities. Um but quickly, just before we go, kind of when they get your predictions for the game. Against West Ham, talk to me. I
1: think with we're going to run right. Really? Honestly, I think we're going to yeah? run right, and I'm I'm going to go. I'm going to go big. I'm going to go big four
0: nil. right four 0 All right. Um, I'm going to go with a conservative two two nil. Let's say that conservative. Um, Thibson, my guy. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure, man. We'll we'll catch up again. I'm sure in the coming weeks in the season. Um, but yeah, man. Chesiawa, peace. Be back next week. Take it easy. Sports, social, podcast network.